Hey, I'm Dr. Rafi, a chiropractor with a master's in nutrition. And I'm Roxanne, a licensed professional counselor. And together, we are personally and professionally speaking. Not only are we professionals, we are also cousins. And on this show, we'll discuss topics related to relationships, parenting, health, wealth, friendship, and so much more. All from our personal and professional points of view. Personally and professionally speaking with R&R starts now. Welcome back to Personally and Professionally Speaking with R&R. I'm Roxanne. And I'm Dr. Rocky. Well, today is a hot button topic. I guess every every time is a hot button topic. Um, we just like hot button topics up in here. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> today we will be talking about the transition from going from virtual school to online school. Now, I know that some of the schools in other states, they didn't do virtual schooling at all. They just went straight into in-person. And other schools, they just did, um, they're doing all virtual for a while. But here in Texas, today was the day that some of the schools decided to go back in person. So that's what we're going to talk about. Yes. And, um, you know, I'm going to have to say my all-time favorite commercial for this time of year used to be, it, I think it was like a Staples commercial and it was with the dad and he was going down the aisles, tossing things in the basket and the song, it's the most wonderful time of the year was playing and the kids are like walking behind the basket looking all depressed and sad. That was like the best commercial ever. And now I feel like it's the opposite where the parents are going like, through the aisle, tossing stuff in the basket, trying to find laptops. Like, this is not the most wonderful time of the year anymore. Are you talking about doing the virtual shopping or shopping for virtual school versus regular school? Yes. And just the idea of virtual school versus regular school. It's just, it's such a different concept. And the fact that your kids will be underfoot all day, every day, that it's kind of unsettling. But, I mean, we've been at it for, what, uh, four or five weeks now? Mm-hmm. And it's not as um, bad as I thought it would be, actually. I kind of, I don't want to say, but, yeah, I kind of enjoy it, actually, because, but I'm more like a, I don't want to say hands-off, but I let them do their work. But you come to me after you get your work done, before you submit anything, and let's go over everything so we can make sure that you're doing it right and that you understood the concept that was asked by of you. More so with my my son than my daughter, but that's what we do. I don't know. I kind of like it. Yeah, I'd have to say I don't love it. So we're currently in the transition phase right now of going back face to face. Being virtual was more of a headache than I really felt like it would be. But I think it's because now the classwork and the homework are like merging And depending on what class it is, it's hard to do the classwork while you're on the call, like on the Google Meet. So I've got this Google Meetup, and then I'm also supposed to have up this little Google Word doc or this Excel doc, pay attention to the teacher and try and figure out how to submit this assignment on Google Classroom. Oh, that makes sense. What is it called? They're using one of the platforms for Google for math class, and that one runs simultaneously with the meet. So the teacher has her stuff up, and then you they all have the – it's like a whiteboard that they all can write on. Each kid can write on at the same time while they're doing their math problems or whatever. So that's the only time. But for English and all the other classes, they don't have to do that. 
But for my daughter's class, like they're live, but it's a little bit different when you get to junior high because junior high, you know, you just have, you have the lecture and you take notes and then you do your homework assignments later. You, that's what you do anyway. So I don't know. It just, I think the way that you guys is set up, having to have all those multiple platforms, that does seem a little bit difficult and harder to do than just having one or two things on there. Yeah. And I mean, after a while, it gets a little bit easier, but it's just, you know, for elementary, I think it's more so for the elementary going into Google Classroom, Google Meet, Nearpod, Epic Books. There are like seven tabs open. And I'm pretty good with having a whole lot of tabs open. And I've got like a small screen here, another screen over here. My my computer when I'm working is like, if you had OCD, you'd probably be driven crazy by my computer screen. My fourth grader, she's not very good at doing all of that. She doesn't know how to download Nearpod and download at add-ons to the little Google Meet thing. So it's like all of these extra things where they really should have told us parents, okay, parents, for like the first three days, we need you to take off of work so you can make sure that everything is set up on this Google Classroom that we're going to need. Because the teacher trying to walk through 10 kids at the at same one time, time, it was not it was not working out. Yeah, that that seems very difficult. And um, I don't know. I don't even know how you guys do it. I don't you, you know if I had to deal with how you're doing with the classes, I don't think we would be able to survive because that would just frustrate the heck out of me. Yeah. And I think with my middle schooler, she's been doing, she's been doing okay. The only thing that she ever really had challenges with was something called Flipgrid. I still don't even know how to figure it out, but she knows how to do it. They did do it when we went virtual in the spring. So she was a little bit familiar with it, but this, uh, the stuff that the elementary school is doing and not to mention they have they have like their full schedule. So they have their full face-to-face -face schedule, which is homeroom in the morning. You're still going to recess. You're still doing your specials. You have your lunch break. Then you go in the afternoon, but you don't go in the afternoon class until you check in with your morning homeroom class after lunch. Then you go in, then you do your afternoon class. Then there's a Google Hangout at the end of the day where you get all two well both classes the morning class and the afternoon class get together with both teachers and talk about how the day went that is a lot the specials are on a rotating schedule that we have to keep up with see now now that is an issue because we have a rotating schedule for the specials too and i'm like oh my god but somehow the kids know when the, the specials are supposed to be. But I think, I don't know if their teachers remind them or what, but they know what specials they're supposed to do. Okay. Well, that's good. I tried to write them down based on the schedule that was given to us. And I the way Alyssa's desk is set up, there's like a whiteboard behind the computer. So I went and just wrote on the little whiteboard and she crosses out the special by day. <laughs> which got a little confusing when we were out for the hurricane break, which was a whole nother mess in itself. But being out for the hurricane break, I was like, okay, don't forget, you have to cross off those two days because we didn't do specials that day. So it was a little confusing. That's a, that's a whole lot. But I think, so we use, they use Canvas. And that seems to be a little bit easier because it has a schedule on there, I think, of when everything is due. So like on Tuesday, you know that this class has to be done and these assignments have to be done. And then on Thursday, these classes have to be done in these assignments. So I think that makes it a little bit easier and helps to keep track of what's to be done. Oh, now that's a whole nother issue in itself is when things are supposed to be done. 
again, junior high kid, not that big of a deal. I think her biggest issue was doing her little, um, her attendance sheets on time. So I'm like, you've been in school for two weeks and you already have six absences. And she's <laughs> like, oh, yeah, I was late when I turned in this form and she was enrolled in the wrong PE class for like three days. <laughs> so oh. I was like, such is life. Who cares if we don't get perfect attendance? But with the elementary kid, it's like there's all of these assignments that are due and they have no due date. But they were all up there. They have 100 points if you complete them. But there's absolutely no due date to them. So I'm like, okay, do I need to actually do these? Or are they just like busy work? I mean, what's happening here? That's crazy because like I feel like they're so organized and everything has a due date. And if it's been assigned, it has to be done by the in- by 12 or 11.59 that night. And if it's not done, it's late and you get no credit for it. Like in the first week or two, they allowed everything to slide, you know. But after mm-hmm. that, it's like you do the homework that you're assigned. You That has to be done because they have time slots during the day that you're supposed to have done these assignments. So there's really no excuse for you not to complete your assignments by the end of the day. There's no like... I'm going to sign you this and it's due um, uh, three weeks from now or whatever. No, it's like, if you get to sign that, it's due that day. Okay. So here is the absolute funniest thing that I've heard so far. When um, the teachers will send out little updates and the school has this system to where they'll send you everything that shows missing in the Google Classroom. So one of the teachers actually emailed and said, you should be receiving the notification of the missing assignments. Some students were hitting submit, but did not actually attach the assignment. So they're hitting submit as if it's done on time, but there's no assignment attached to prove that it was actually done. So is that to get credit, even though it's not finished or that they were just just doing it? So my assumption is that some of the kids were like, let me try and beat the system, get it turned in, turned in, in air quotes, on time. But that gives me a couple extra days to actually finish the work and I won't submit it until the teacher realizes. Then I can play dumb like, oh, I thought I submitted it. You know, what's funny is like, why do why do kids think that adults are stupid? Like they haven't tried some of this stuff when um, they were younger. Exactly. (laughs) That's just hilarious because they probably were like, yes. I got away with it. I didn't finish my assignment on time, but it's okay because I did everything um, that I was supposed to, or I'm going to do everything before she really realizes like she's none the wiser. Exactly. Like we weren't in junior high and high school before. What's wrong with these children? Now, what about returning to in-person classrooms are you guys going back to school what is your plan so um we did not return back to school our school district returned back to school today and um, we waited and we're holding the kids back we kind of want to see what happens when this first wave of kids goes back to school like is it going to be this the numbers like spike significantly in the schools or is it going to be like nothing really happens and everything's fine? Because, you know, it, as things have been progressing and people have been going to school, we made this decision before the other schools went back to school. But 
like Georgia, Mississippi, they've had to quarantine whole classes. Right. Um, Cause kids have had COVID and, you know, went to school or whatever and didn't really know it. So we don't, I don't want that to happen to our kids. And as much as I know my son and, and my daughter for that much, they, they really wish that they were at school. It's like right now we're going to play it safe and keep them home for the time being so that we can really assess the situation and see when the safest time for them to go back to school is. And I really like my son's teacher and I really don't want to lose her. And if we switch to in person, we will lose her, to be honest. Yeah, that is one thing I think that is probably consistent across the different school districts around us. Um, And for those of you that don't know, we live in the same state, but we are in different suburbs on opposite sides of Houston. So um, we are in two very different school districts. So the differences are quite great, apparently. But that is one thing that is the same. If you choose virtual classroom, your teacher, when you switch to -to face-to-face instruction, if you choose to switch to -to face-to-face instruction, will be different than you had during the virtual platform. So that is something, I guess, that is probably consistent across some of the schools. Yeah, and she has been a really good teacher so far. Um, she's a no nonsense kind of person because like the second or first day of school, he was, my son was like, well, my mom lost track of time, which I did bad mom, but you know, it happens. I, for some reason in my mind, I thought class was starting at the time that it was ending. <laughs> so and then I, <laughs> I remember it and I was like, oh my God. So he was like five or five to six, five to eight minutes late. So he still got to get in the class and he still was able to do his assignment before the time was his t- allotted time was up. But um, she was like, well, you're old enough to know it's not your mom's responsibility. You need you know what time uh, what time it is. You know what time class starts. You need to be logged on at the time and not late. If you're late, it's your fault, not your parents fault. And I was like, you know what? You you're right. You're right. I like that. He needs to be responsible for what his time is because like at what point do you teach him responsibility he knows how to read he knows how to write he knows how to tell time so if it says he's supposed to be there at 11 o'clock you can look at the clock and say oh it's a it's 10 55 i need to be in on the um, computer in five minutes like you know that already right yeah and i think and that was one of the reasons that i wrote the schedule on the desk well on the board behind the desk so that she could keep track of her own time, mostly because I was home, but I was on conference, well, not conference calls, but I was on patient calls most of the day. So it's like, hey, it's your lunch time. I'll try to have your lunch ready for you. And when lunch is over, you need to make sure that you're right back up at your desk, logged back into your classroom. And we have everything under the sun technologically wise that could alert you. So we've got Alexa, <laughs> going off saying, hey, lunchtime is over, time to log back in. So we've got all sorts of stuff to try and keep her on track. But I must say, I am quite excited that we have started to transition back into the classroom. <laughs> that is just, that's so hilarious. And, it, you know, so we're, we're talking right now about the elementary school students. And, you know, there's a little bit more responsibility on us for them. But the junior high is like, the transition will be so much easier because, well, 
I, I'm assuming it's the same for you guys that you guys keep, they keep the same bell schedule as if they were in class, right? Is that how they were doing it? Yes. And I think the biggest difference between this year and last year was they did change the bell schedule, but their full schedule is the same as it will be when they go back to face. Well, she is back to face to face now, but um, they switched it to a block schedule. So now instead of having all seven classes, you just have four classes a day, but you have first period on A day and on B day. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. That makes sense. I remember doing block in high school. I don't know. I'm not sure if I if it, I mean, if I liked that more or if I liked it less. I can't remember. I'm going to be honest. So, like, my daughter has only two classes that she does not have to do virtually. And those ones at that time, when the bell rings, you better be logged on or else you're going to be absent. Yeah. And, like, when I say logged on, the teacher has to see your face on the Zoom. You can't be having you logged in, but no camera view. You have to be physically visible in the camera. Yes. And you know, um, since you just brought that up, there has been a couple of incidents with kids that were virtual having the police called out to their home. Did you hear about that? Because no. they had um, a gun in the background. But why would they had a gun or like someone in their family had a gun in the background? Oh, no, they had a gun, an airsoft BB gun in their background because it was hanging on the wall in their bedroom where they're doing their virtual schooling. That is that's kind of ridiculous. Yes. And so as mandated reporters that the school teachers are, they said, well, they brought a gun to school. Listen. <laughs> That is the most asinine thing I've ever heard in my life. Right? Oh, my God. Yes. I mean, at the end of the day, yes, they're logged into school, but they still are in their home. Exactly. Like, I can understand if they were sitting there, you know, they grabbed it and they're waving it around in class and like, oh, look, guys, look what I got. Like, no, it's just in the background. Why would you call the CPS on somebody for that. That is, that is terrible. I would be switching my kids out of that person's class. I'm going to be honest. Yeah. yeah. That I was like, really? That is insane. But it, it got me to thinking about one of the things school is like a neutralizer in some sense. So when you think about going to school and when you are going, especially in person, the only way that I might know how well off you are or how well off you aren't is based on what you're wearing. So maybe you have designer shoes or designer clothes, a designer backpack. But now we're getting a glimpse into the homes of some of these kids. You just took away that equalizer that is school. Now, hey, your background looks really crappy. Has that been happening? Have people been getting bullied about that? Oh, I don't know, but there's definitely the potential for it. And then let's think about those kids. So in our district, um, we have a section of our district that is very rural and doesn't have Wi-Fi. Um, some of these kids don't actually have devices. And whereas HISD is such a big district, and apparently they have a whole lot more money than some of the smaller districts, but they are giving out devices. And some of the other districts, I don't know why our district is not giving out devices, but our district did not give out devices. So for some kids, if they didn't have Wi-Fi and they didn't have devices and the district wasn't going to provide them, these kids are at school 
face-to-face virtual learning from the classroom so that they could utilize a device and use the school's Wi-Fi. Really? So like, yeah, our district gave out devices. Yes. If you need a device, they need, they'd give it to you. Ours did not. And the, (laughs) there was a, I don't want to call it a complaint. I guess it was a question. And they essentially said, if you opted to do virtual learning, the only way you were approved to do that is if you had the means to do it. So if you had the technology at home and the internet at home, then you were approved to do virtual learning. If you did not have those things, we can offer it to you, but it's going to be in person. So you're still getting your education. So from the day that school started on, I believe we started on the 18th of September. No, we didn't. Maybe the 23rd. I don't remember when the heck we started, but that day there were already kids while the rest of the district was virtual. There were kids that didn't have technology that were already going in person. Wow. That's like crazy because I feel like that's not right in so many ways because what if you, the parents who didn't feel comfortable with their kids being in person and they're essentially forced to have to go because they just can't afford, um, they can't afford a laptop or a computer or something like that for their kids. Like that's not right. Yep. But our district was like, if you don't have, we will provide at the school. And so that's. Um, what oh my God. That is just crazy. Yeah. Though There was like lines and lines of people lined up to get devices at the schools um, when it was time to pass them all out. Look, I wanted to be in somebody's line getting a device, but no. Granted, <laughs> <laughs> we had stuff, I think, with us. We have a bunch of nonsense around the house anyways. But we, you know, we did have to get another computer. So it was about time for me to upgrade my Surface. So we just upgraded my Surface and passed down the other one, which was still in good shape. So we had what we needed to do virtual learning. But then you think about those families that have three, four, five kids all needing to do virtual learning. Yes. And with Google platform, the Google platform, you can't actually get in from an iPad. Yeah, no, I found so that out. You guys are providing things and we can't even use it. But our district was very clear. You will need a Chromebook or a laptop or a desktop, a tablet or a device of that nature. Having your cell phone, those are not good enough for virtual learning. So it's been different. It's been interesting. Well, but again, super happy that they're back in school. Right. No, like so they they passed out Chromebooks last last year, but the um I guess half the kids some of the kids got Chromebooks and some of the kids got iPads. They probably just ran out and had to oh, give possibly. iPads to some of the kids. I that's what I'm thinking happened. I don't know, but yeah, like I'm glad you're happy that they're going back to school. I I know my kids are going to be happy when um it's time for them to go back to school, but I'm just I'm not ready for them to go back to school just because I'm I don't feel comfortable. Yeah. And that's very important. And I will have to say that what I think is better than what um, what was happening in some of those other states is that there really has been a strong amount of kids in our district that have opted to do the virtual learning. And of course, since if you took that option, you are virtual learning until Christmas break. 
So you can't come back until January. And I think right now with my fourth grader, there are only, I think, 12 or 14 kids in her class. And for my seventh grader, in about each class, she said there's about 10 to 15 kids. So the class sizes are lower. They are pretty well separated. Um, even for a middle school, they changed the bell schedule. So instead of everybody being released at the same time to trade classes, the sixth graders go first, then the seventh graders go, and then the eighth graders go. So they're staggering the transition period. That that makes so. a lot of sense. And it makes it more comfortable because everybody has to feel comfortable with what's going on. And right. I mean, and some some people don't have not I don't want to say the means, but they don't have the time to be able to be um, home with their kids or take their kids to work to mm-hmm. to learn. So we we've we've been very blessed and lucky that the way my schedule works, I'm able to be home with the kids a couple of days a week. And then my husband, the days I'm not home, my husband's able to take them to work so that they can do he can get his work done and they can do their work in their own little office or whatever. So we've been blessed with that option, but some people aren't able yeah. to have the option. Mm-hmm. They have, you either go to work or you have to stay home with your kids or their kids are staying home and the kids are fourth graders or younger and they have to basically be home by themselves because there's nowhere to go. But there are like camps and um, daycares and stuff like that that were t- taking virtual learners. Yes, which I do love that they're doing that. Granted, that's an extra expense that you wouldn't have to do if you were taking your kids to school. But, you know, that's sometimes the price that we have to pay for our own well-being and our sense of comfort. Um, But with us, uh, hubby's back on the road today. So I went back to the office today and we still have our fourth grader has not fully transitioned back into school yet. So Seventh grader, she's every day back in school. Well, she's out on Friday, so they can do a deep cleaning. But um, the fourth grader, she went to school two days last week, and she's home this week while they're transitioning in the kinder and first graders. And then next week, everybody is back on campus that chose face-to-face learning. So what did she do during the day? Oh, she was on, well, hubby was home until about, 3.30 and big sister came home a little after four. I got home right around five. So she was probably at home for about 30, 45 minutes as a latchkey kid. So <laughs> <laughs> lock the doors, secure the exactly. security system. If you hear anything, you call me. Okay. Yep. Stay in your room. Don't be in your window because her window faces the street. So stay out of your window. Stay in your room. If you hear the doorbell, just stay in your room. You, you'd be like Kevin from Home Alone. Get under the bed. Exactly. <laughs> and you just hide. <laughs> and we have our, um, we actually have practiced a number of times. We have a little routine. If the alarm goes off, you go straight into your hiding place. Oh, good. So, yeah, we practiced that before and they get a lot of practice because I will not think that the alarm is set because everybody's at the house except for me. And I'll just walk in the door thinking, why the heck is the alarm set? So so they've got a little bit of practice running and hiding. 
because I like to set off the alarm. So. <laughs> but that's a good thing. I, you know what? I don't think we've ever set did a, um, you know, run and hide. But at the same time, we have a dog. So yeah. if we're not home and it's the two older kids by themselves, the dog is out, you know, and even if he's in his kennel and nobody is home and it's just him there, you hear a dog bark, you're not inclined to come in. This is true. And especially when you hear a big booming bark from a big dog, you don't, that's not something yeah. you're going to, you're not going to do that. And if someone knocks on our door, someone touches our door handle, someone puts a key in the door handle, that's an owner. Yeah. <laughs> He's yeah. going to bark. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> he does not play. And now the weekly wind down with our favorite things. And now, everyone, time for my favorite part of the show, the weekly wind down. And today I have a mixed beverage, I guess. We can call it a cocktail, but because it is the wind down, of course, it's made with wine. Um, so this is the, I think it's called Rancho, let me double check, Rancho Ligoria. I'm sorry. Totally not Lagoria. How about Lagoria? Strawberry. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, but the bad part is I haven't even drank it yet. <laughs> out the name. Okay, so Rancho Lagoria Strawberry Margarita Wine Cocktail. So this is the description: crafted with fresh lime ripe strawberry juice, and agave wine. This refreshing margarita is a convenient cocktail for barbecues and beach days. Pour over ice or enjoy right out of the bottle for a perfectly tasty warm weather libation. All right, let me take my sip. Okay, so definitely very, very, very strawberry-y. I know, not a real word, but strawberry-y. And it's actually pretty good. It tastes more like it's just a regular fruit juice as opposed to something with wine. Now, I'm drinking it chilled, but the chill has gone off a little bit because we've been recording. So it's been sitting out while we've been recording. Now, I have had this in the past, and we've actually added tequila on top of the wine, because when you drink a margarita, you drink tequila, tequilas and margaritas. So, but this is really good with just the wine and nothing else added. If you need an extra kick or you need it to be a little bit stronger, you can always add the tequila just for a little bit extra. Let me see what proof this is. Um, yeah, so this is 13.9% alcohol. Um, I don't see the sugar content on here. But it's got a tang. So considering it doesn't actually have tequila in it, it kind of reminds me of, no, maybe I'm not thinking of the tequila. It's the lime. I'm tasting the lime. The lime has the kick. The tequila in margaritas does not have the kick. It's the lime. So, so yes, um, it has, so it's a little sweet, but it's got that, that really citrusy kick to it, uh -huh. which probably for me, that makes things seem a little bit sweeter. I don't know how other people function with citrus, but anytime I put citrus in my alcoholic beverages, it makes them a lot easier for me to go down because it brings out the sugar level for me. I think it's just that, I don't know if it's the sugar level. I don't know. It doesn't make sugar. It doesn't make the sugar level come out to me, but I like citrusy fruits 
so it makes it taste better just because I like it more than a yeah. bitter than a bitter fruit. You know what I mean? Like if you have something that's yeah. like a cranberry, you throw a little orange in there or something like that, and it makes it taste better. That is true because one of my favorite mocktails when I was pregnant, um, I would mix cranberry and pineapple juice, <laughs> and that would be my little mixed drink. Yeah, see, it makes a huge difference um, when you throw something like that in there with the. Uh, um, a bitter thing but i don't know strawberries aren't that bitter though strawberries are sweet yeah so it's but it's the lime i totally taste the lime but the strawberry is the more powerful taste the lime kind of hits you in the back end at the end but i don't taste the wine i don't really taste the wine that's in it i just know it's in there because if you drink a lot of this if you drink enough of this i you can feel it you be gone yeah mm -hmm, i sure will yeah. but this one, um, we purchased this particular blend at HEB. However, you can probably get it just about anywhere that sells wine type beverages. They do have it at Aldi. I've seen it there. Um, <laughs> and Target, HEB, Randall's, Kroger, whatever your local grocery store is. And of course, my spot, Total Wine. Nice. Well, I think we just we should all try it. And I actually think that that's something that um, I would probably drink. Yeah, it's actually pretty, it's easy to drink, um, and they do have other flavors. This one is the strawberry, but they have regular, and I think there's a couple other flavors aside from just the plain original and the strawberry. I think there's a mango one, but I might be lying. I've seen a few of them on display, and I was like, ooh, looks like new flavors we need to try. Well, I guess we should go to our favorite things of the week. Um, I'll start with mine. So... My favorite thing of the week, something I just got and I'm kind of obsessed with. I think I've had it for like two weeks now. I've changed my nail color three just wow. because I am really. Because you can. <laughs> yeah. The, well, the first time I changed it, I know I haven't told you guys what I'm talking about, but I just want to say it first. The first time I did it, um, my nails looked awful. God awful. And I was like, oh my goodness. I didn't even know how to get it off. And I had to use like a regular, I tried to use a regular cotton ball and it didn't work. So then the next morning I Googled how to Google how to do it and watch a YouTube video. And I was like, oh my God. So I literally was driving to work with foil on my fingers. So with that being said, guys, I love dip nail polish. It's great. If you've ever done dip nail polish, you know that a cotton ball with a little acetone is not going to do it. You have to have a soaked cotton ball and you have to sit it on top of your dip nails, put either foil or those nail clips on there and let it sit there for like 15 to 30 minutes, depending on how many coats you put on, depending on how strong it is, how, depending on how long you've had it on. And that's how you take it off. No one told me that when I first bought it. So the first time was a disaster, but now it's great. It's easy. I love the colors. I put different colors on and the last very long and they look still shiny. I've chipped a couple because I never pay attention to how I use my hands. And I've, like, chipped off the nail polish and not my fingernail, which has been great. I've done that to two nails already. But, you know, it's neither here nor there. It's great. I love it. A friend recommended that I get some. I bought some on Amazon, but you could also find it on set at Sally's. So if you don't want to wait for Amazon to ship your stuff, you can go to Sally's and get your a dip nail set. And get the clips. Clips work so much better than the foil, just to let you know, because it gets the cotton ball on there a lot tighter, comes off smoothly, so much easier. You don't have to fumble with getting the foil as tight as you can on there. Um, that's from experience, guys. But 
the clips work a whole lot better and they're only like four or five dollars for the clips but the nail polish is great it makes your fingers look like you have um a manicure and that you spent a lot of money on them and a lot of time when you didn't really have to spend that much time and that much money and they look so good so that's my favorite thing well and i must say i'll probably give those a try that stuff really does last forever um but they told us we had to stop wearing it at work so i stopped doing it but the dip is fantastic so i definitely will probably try it again wait i just have a question why did you have to stop wearing dip at work or was it just nail polish in general So it was, which was the strangest thing because we're in the clinic, the medical, whatever the, um, they were doing some type of audit with the hospital. And since we were hospital affiliates, we had to comply with the same rules that the hospital was complying with. So we could only have nail polish that you could take off with a cotton swab. And if it chipped, We had to take it off. Like we couldn't come to work with chip nail polish. And so my thought was, well, then the dip or acrylics is perfect because it doesn't do anything. It doesn't chip. And they said no, because whatever is in the acrylic, the polish or something, whatever chemicals are used, they said it's bad. And if somebody's allergic to it, some nonsense that they were talking about. And they were like, we're coming around with nail polish remover and a cotton swab. And if we can't take off your nail polish, then you're going to have to go get it taken off. They basically just messing up people's manicures and they not going to replace that spot that you done wiped the cotton swab off with. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, but they warned us. We pretty much knew the week that they were coming to do the audit. So we were a little bit prepared. And I think as soon as I heard, I was like, well, it's about time for me to get these redone anyways. So I just went, had them taken off and put on a coat of clear. And I was like, whatever. And so I haven't gotten them done again. And since all of this happened, all I've been doing is kind of just maintaining them at home. So. So now are you, since you, don't you work for, no, you're still affiliated with the hospital, huh? I am, but the whole audit process is over. (laughs) Oh, I think it's okay. And I can start doing stuff again whenever I feel like it. <laughs> well, hey now. So what's your favorite thing? So my favorite thing, okay. So as you know, a lot of people listening probably don't know, um, unless you happen to follow me on Facebook. I cut some of my hair off. I went and did my first curly cut. And when they did the curly cut, of course, they cut it to where it's all the same length when it's curly. There went my side braid and my bun because I tried to do a bun and I can no longer do it. So I actually have to comb my hair now. It's really depressing. I can't just pull it back in my little bun like I used to. So I've been trying to find some new products to use to make my life a little bit easier. And I found this gel by Aunt Jackie's. It's called Aunt Jackie's Curls and Coils Flaxseed Recipe. Don't shrink flaxseed elongating curling gel for natural curls, coils, and waves. So I have been using this stuff. Um, Really, I've only used it twice in two weeks. And I haven't had to like redo my hair every single day. I can just pull up my hair, 
do my gym workout and then spritz some water on it and redo it and I'm good to go. It's been fantastic. Oh, wow. Yeah, I really like it. And it's the first product that I've tried where I didn't have to layer products. So there was no, okay, let me put in the conditioner. Now let me do some oil. Let me do the gel. Now more cream. And so this is literally the only thing I will put in my hair after it's washed in condition. What is it called again? It's called Aunt Jackie's Curls and Coils Don't Shrink Flaxseed Elongating Curl Gel. Where did you get that? Uh, this came from Target, actually. Oh, nice. I, I've been using this other hair stuff, and I'm telling you, my hair goes straight to my scalp as soon as I put it on. Mm. Like it shrinks so much that mm -hmm. um that you can't even tell like I have hair. No, you can't. My hair's not that short. <laughs> not but, <laughs> but it like shrinks so bad when it's freshly done. And um to see that that says don't shrink, it makes I'm gonna I'm gonna have to go try it out so I can see if it really does it, but my hair is getting really long because it, yeah. it's, it's starting to get into that transitional phase of a short do. And mm -hmm. you know how that transitional uh -huh. phase is like kind of awkward. Yeah. But I'm going to let my hair grow out. I'm not going to cut it back again. I cut it already twice again. Uh. No, one other time. So I've cut it twice. And this time I'm going to let it grow a little bit longer. But the back of it is to my shoulders, I want to say. Okay. But you can't tell. Like, look at that. Because of how tight it curls up. Yeah, it tights up so, and then like you stretch it out. Yeah, it's like so much longer than the curls because yes. it, the curls get so tight because of the stuff I put in my hair. But whatever. Sorry, guys, you guys can see how tight they are, but you can't see how tight they are, but they are tight. And my hair, I have quite a bit of shrinkage too. Um, but this doesn't really help. It doesn't really elongate it. Not for me. I didn't notice the elongation of it. But it says, depending on how much you want it to be elongated, you put a certain amount on. I didn't have time to try and figure out what amount. So I just needed it to, to be. And it still does shrink quite a bit. Yeah, it does. <laughs> but it's, it, it does a lot. But it still looks really cute. But yes, and so that's what I liked because afterwards it was my curls are defined and they still move. Yeah, your curls are good. It almost looks like you have a bob. Yes. And so with some of my other products, especially my gels, my hair would not move. It would like kind of dry in the position mm -hmm. that it was in. So it would look like a bob even before I cut it. And it would just be that short because it rested on my shoulders. So it would shrink up. So with this, it does not. I guess it doesn't shrink in that regard because it does stay at the length it's supposed to. And it doesn't form to whatever I've got Shake. going on in my life. Yeah. Yeah. So, I like it. So, yeah. So, it's good. I like it. Um, and the best part about this, curly hair products and natural hair products are often very expensive. This was only $9. What? Yep. $8.99. That's it. And wow. so. I was very impressed. And the amount that I used, it felt like I was using a lot, but I really wasn't. So in my two uses, I still have quite a bit left. And that's even with me refreshing it every couple of days. And I might add just a little bit extra, depending on how much it needs to be refreshed. But it's really not a lot when I'm refreshing it. So I can see this lasting me a good month or two, maybe not two, maybe a month and a half. So for $9 in a month and a half, and it's the only product that I'm putting on my hair. That's great. 
I'll take it. Your hair like that makes you look like Renee, which is her <laughs> sister, guys. Yeah, you look a lot like your sister right now with your hair like that because that's how she has her hair. Yep. All the time. You you look a whole lot like her um, today, just looking at you. Just, like I said, guys, that's her sister. Hey, Renee, love you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, if I have to look like anybody, I guess I can look like her. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I guess, guys, that's it for today. Yes, indeed. We will check back in with you guys next week. That's all for now. If you like the show, make sure you subscribe, leave a review, and tell your friends to listen. You can find us on the gram at pmpspeaking underscore podcast at roxy.lpc and at doctor underscore fit mama. Till next time, guys. <laughs>